1: All right, folks, I apologize. A little technical difficulty. Welcome back. We have Jeff Freeman, CEO of the U.S. Travel Association, joining us. Jeff, welcome to the show. No, it's good to be back with you. Yes, sir. And uh, recent announcement that New Orleans has been selected to host the IPW in 2027. If you would uh, describe the significance of this, this is a big deal for us.
0: Yeah, we're thrilled to be coming back to New Orleans in 2027. This event was there last in 2016. It's been there three times before that. What this event does is bring international travel buyers to the United States to uh, buy packages, put packages together, go back home to their markets, and sell those packages to individuals. About $5.5 billion in sales takes place over about three days. That results in typically about 10% of that going right back into the city that hosts this. So we're talking about $550 million in future travel spending right in New Orleans, in Louisiana, because this event takes place there in 2027.
1: And it also, we get that that additional exposure, right? I mean, obviously, y'all are talking about the United States as a whole, but everyone gets to really experience the cuisine, the culture, and everything else that we have to offer here.
0: Well, it's a great point. You know, We bring in about 900 or so travel buyers. There's another 300 international media that come. That media that comes into the market, they're walking around New Orleans, they're seeing what the city is all about. Maybe they haven't been there for years. Maybe they have different impressions of what New Orleans was. But they go home and they write about their experiences. They put together itineraries and tell people, Of the opportunities in new orleans it's a great opportunity to show the city off to put a a fresh new face on the city for this uh, for these international media as well as the buyers and then send everybody back home both uh, through kind of word of mouth as well as pen to paper talking about everything that new orleans has to offer we found that this is a, a great way to to reinvent a great way to brand the city Uh, A great way to show people a little bit of what they don't expect. That's what IPW makes possible.
1: Absolutely. I believe y'all are in L.A. this year. Is that correct? We're in L.A. this year. We were in San Antonio
0: last year. We're in Chicago next year. Uh, So each of these cities embraces that opportunity uh, to brand uh, the city to, to, uh, as I said a moment ago, to maybe put a a fresh uh, face on uh, what that city is all about. Uh, and that's, that's why this, uh, this event is so sought after. Uh, and it's why we're excited to get back to New Orleans. We know New Orleans puts on a great show. It's done it in the past, and it'll certainly do it in the future.
1: Jeff, there's been uh, the travel industry's had a lot of challenges, the pandemic, um, I guess, um, the war in Ukraine, now the, 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 you know, the war in Israel, a lot of unrest. What are you seeing as it relates to international travel right now?
0: Well, it'd be easy, Newell, to think that so sort of what happens outside the United States, well, that doesn't affect us. But when we think about these international travelers, when they come here to the United States, they stay on average about 17 days. They spend upwards of $4,000 per person. They don't really use the services. They come here, they spend their money, and they go home, often with a better impression of the United States. So we want these visitors. What we've found post-pandemic is it's getting harder and harder to get them. One, other countries are more competitive, uh, doing everything they can to attract these travelers, to you mentioned the war in Ukraine, Um, not something that most Americans would think hits home for us, but the war in Ukraine limits the ability of Chinese and other Asian travelers to fly over Russian airspace. That's had a massive reduction in the number of nonstop flights that we now receive to the West Coast and then feed the rest of the United States. Uh, because of what's going on in Ukraine. So that's another concern that we have. Post-pandemic, we're only at about 80% of what we had uh, going into the pandemic in terms of international travelers. It's a big concern for us. Uh, It's a big concern for a market like New Orleans, which attracts such a diverse population, which depends on these travelers coming in and spending big bucks. So we've got a lot of work to do. Uh, The the Biden administration uh, has made some strides in some areas, and uh, put some obstacles in our way in other areas. You know, for example, a lot of travelers are required to get a visa to come here. Uh, no problem requiring people to get a visa, but it is a problem if we make them wait 400 days to get a visa interview. And unfortunately, we're doing that in too many markets right now. So those are the types of obstacles we've got to overcome.
1: When you and I spoke last, uh, some of the other issues that were we were in the midst of and wondering how long they were going to loom out there, air traffic controllers being one, and availability of getting a passport uh, for U.S. citizens uh, being a second. Uh, any improvement there?
0: Well, credit to uh, the State Department. They've done what they need to do to address the passport issue. Uh, we're down to normal wait times on passports, about three to four weeks to get out of the country. So I give them uh, credit uh, on that front. Uh, we're most focused on getting people into the country, though, and, and that's where those visa wait times are so problematic, and, and, and they've been sticky. We have not seen the reductions we need to see in Brazil, in India, and some of these other markets where these travelers just want to come. They want to see family. They want to experience the culinary delights of New Orleans, whatever it may be, uh, but they can't get into the country uh, for legal and legitimate purposes. That's a big concern for us. Once we get them here, right, then we've got to give them a reliable – Uh, experience, uh, a reliable travel experience, and I think one thing all your listeners know is that when it comes to air travel, we've got some work to do on that front. Uh, More than 20% of flights are delayed or canceled uh, at this point in time. Uh, Most of that can be attributed to a Federal Aviation Administration that's understaffed. Uh, We've got fewer air traffic controllers than we need. We're not using the technology that we need. So we've got a lot of work to do, I think, to build the system that is worthy of the American traveler. Uh, I think American travelers are increasingly becoming frustrated. And I might even say, you know, I encourage this, a little, a little intolerant. They want to see policymakers fix these things. You know, we've got Garrett Graves down in Louisiana who's active on aviation issues in the House, has done a fantastic job on these issues. We need more people uh, like Congressman Graves who are really going to take a leadership role on aviation issues. We're not seeing enough of that from his uh, counterparts around the country.
1: Jeff, when it comes to like air traffic control and, and FAA, I mean, is this just a function of prioritization uh, or it can't be money? I mean, it just, you know, it, w- what is it? I mean, we really found ourselves behind the eight ball. You know, we're hearing more and more about age technology that we're using. We're not really current to some other countries that are, are far advance of us which is hard to believe uh but it's true right it is true uh i think it's a matter certainly
0: there's money that has to be spent here but i think what it comes down to is where's the will where's the will to address some of these issues where is the desire to raise the bar and position the u.s as a model around the world we've underfunded the faa for many many years And when we look at so many of these problems that people deal with with air travel, it comes back to that underfunding, that lack of attention. Just this year, the Federal Aviation Administration was supposed to be reauthorized, meaning we give it new uh, resources, we give it new responsibilities, and Congress couldn't even get that done. They kicked it into next year. We keep doing that over and over and over again. I don't know what it's going to take, right? Members of Congress fly every single week. No one should know better than they how problematic some of these delays and cancellations can be. No one should be more incentivized to build a world-class air travel system. And yet we're not seeing the energy to do that. So I think we've got to go back to the drawing board and figure out what are we going to do to give people the impetus to make the investments that are so important uh, for all of us. You know, uh, when you look at, Um, air travel it's really the the heartbeat of the American economy we need that working so we can move people about and do what they need to do Uh, and right now we've got a long way to go
1: Are, are there concerns in the travel industry that the airline industry falls prey to these the you know these green initiatives
0: I think that,
1: um, you know, when you
0: look at what's happening, first of all, when you look at the aviation industry, when you look at the travel industry writ large, we know that the consumer is looking to travel in more sustainable ways. They want to be able to enjoy their travel and feel like they're not doing unnecessary damage uh, to the environment in the process. I think the aviation industry, the hotel industry, other aspects of the travel industry are making important investments and giving travelers that confidence that they can be both sustainable uh, and a uh, an active traveler at the same time. What concerns me is more what's happening in Europe, where we are flight-shaming, where we are discouraging people from traveling, uh, particularly by air, because of the effects that some people have determined it can have. We've got to make sure that, that that mentality doesn't cross the pond. We've got to make sure that we maintain that American ingenuity, that sense of confidence that we can do both here. We can, we can be sustainable and we can lean into the power of travel. Uh, that's the mentality so far here in the United States, and I certainly hope we maintain that.
1: Yeah, because, you know, when you think about it, there are not many business sector silos, however you want to refer to it, that have uh, the national economic impact uh, that air travel has. And, and and what it has in this country right
0: and, and it's bigger yes I mean I, I talked about um, being kind of the heartbeat of the economy uh, we've got to move people around right we've got to bring yeah. these travelers in these visitors in for business meetings for leisure purposes for health care for so many for education for so many different reasons you need this system to function And when the system does function, when you make the investments uh, in the aviation system, you see it pay off in ways you couldn't even predict it. When you look at the new airport in New Orleans, something that has received accolades across the country, voted the best new airport uh, in the country and voted, I think, as one of the the best airports uh, in the country. What that does in in, in terms of helping companies consider relocating their businesses What that does in making a destination more attractive is so much greater than people could have predicted when they made those initial investments. It's really about, uh, you know, in the past you used to look at sports teams as a sign of our city has made it. Well, the quality of your air travel, the quality of your airport, the ability to get in and out and get from point A to point B uh, is just as much, if not a greater sign of your city's uh, success uh, than anything else at this point.
1: Yeah, especially when you think of all the downstream implications and the breadth and depth of employment and investment as a result of an airport, as opposed to you know any other uh, business organization. Uh, I mean, it it, it pales. Yep it's it's
0: um, uh, it's the first step, right? It's the first step in building that burgeoning economy and taking your community to the next level. And to me, it's not an either or. I think it's. You know, it, it's great that we've got teams. It's great that we've got other sure. investments that we're making, that we're building uh, a multifaceted uh, economy. Uh, we can't rely on any single aspect. But when you look at everything that makes New Orleans tick, it starts right out there at Louis Armstrong Airport. It starts with uh, an av- a functioning aviation system, uh, which is beyond Louisiana, right? We need to have that nationally. And that's where we're leaning in to make sure that, that at a federal level, we're making the investments that are important. Uh, I, as I said a moment ago, uh, this is an area where we need members of Congress uh, to set the bar a bit higher, to aspire to build something better. I don't think we should tolerate the inefficiencies we have today. Uh, and I don't think we should tolerate policymakers who are willing uh, to accept these inefficiencies.
1: Does FAA get lost under the auspices of the Department of Transportation? I mean, a huge organization, a lot of responsibility, a lot of different silos. Would it be better served, you know, being out on its own as, as a government agency? You know,
0: it's funny you say that. I often refer to infrastructure uh, as the place where good ideas go to die. Uh, and, and we say that because, yeah, it's so big. It's so overwhelming. I think people lose perhaps a bit of confidence in how much change they can, they can actually drive. I don't know what structure would be better. I just know that I think that it becomes such a behemoth, you look at healthcare, such a behemoth that sometimes we, we think we can only tinker around the margins on these things. And, yeah. and that is uh, what has happened with the Federal Aviation Administration. It is what's happened with air travel in general. And it's why we have this system that we have today. We've got to have the courage to aim higher. We're the United States of America. You look at the aviation system here, the ability to get from point A to point B, we should be a model for that around the world. Look at TSA. Um, 35% of travelers are in what's called TSA pre-check. But 65% of travelers are going through the same experience today that they went through in the weeks and months after 9-11. It's been 22 years, and people are still taking their shoes off, their liquids out, their belts off, everything else. Right? We haven't changed in more than 20 years. But yet look around. Technology has changed everywhere and in every way in 20 years. Why can't we do the same thing in the aviation system? To me, it's a basic
1: question, um, and it's one that we've got to get answered. No, absolutely. I, I really never thought about it in that context. And as you were saying that, you know, and I, and I was in charge of the law enforcement deployment at uh, New Orleans International Airport when I was uh, working in the sheriff's office. And uh, as you're saying that, I'm thinking, oh, my God, he's right. It hasn't changed. It <laughs> I'm, hasn't I'm changed. still I'm still undressing before I go through the machine. <laughs> I mean, we, know, like... But yet but yet you look at the technology that we have, you look at the cap-
0: the resources we have. What we like to say is there's got to be a better way, and I think that's what a lot of travelers say. There's got to be a better way. If, if government isn't going to find it, then we're going to find it in the, in the private sector, or we're going to push it on them. In, in, for example, in early 2024, we'll launch a new commission to look at this. We've got the former head of TSA working with us. We've got the former head of the Department of Homeland Security and other former senior officials working with us. To paint the picture for government and perhaps to hand them on a silver platter, here are the solutions to some of these things, because we seem so stagnant. Uh, I, I, the concern with that, right, is concern with being stagnant, is that travelers have alternatives today. They have alternatives yeah. when it comes to Zoom and Teams. They have alternatives when it comes to other markets they can travel to. So we've got to embrace that. This is a competition. And you're either going forward or you're going backwards. Standing still isn't an
1: option. And we're going to do everything we can to convince policymakers that we better darn well be going forward. Absolutely. I was just going to ask you about 2024, and it seems like that's going to be a top priority for you guys. Jeff Freeman, CEO of the U.S. Travel Association, thank you so much for joining us. We always uh, appreciate your time and your insight, and uh, have a great holiday season. No, you do the same. I appreciate it. All righty. We'll be right back, folks. 504-260-1870 on the Oakland our Jewelers Talk and Text Line. When we come back after the break, we'll visit with Stephanie Turner, Senior Vice President of Convention Sales and Strategies for New Orleans & Company. We'll talk about the convention outlook and the strategies used by New Orleans & Company to position the city as built to host in an extremely competitive marketplace. Stay with us. Welcome back, folks. Stephanie Turner joins us, Senior Vice President of Convention Sales and Strategies for New Orleans and Company. Stephanie, welcome to the show.
2: Good afternoon, Noel. Great to be here with you today.
1: Well, Stephanie, I just had Jeff Freeman on, CEO of the U.S. Travel Association, and they're talking about how New Orleans has been selected to host the IPW in 2027. From your perspective, uh, tell us about how big of a win that
2: is. It's a huge win. It is a a show that the country competes to host. It's probably one of the most competitive shows, and it brings in visitation internationally, which is critical for us. And so our team, along with Kim Priya as my colleague in tourism, who heads up that event, work together with our convention center, with our hotel community to find the right dates, then solicit, and Kim and Walt and team competed and and won. And so the uh, comments coming in the past couple of weeks when that news was announced from Jeff and his team, very exciting. A lot's happened very positive in New Orleans to showcase since last they were here. I think it was 10 years ago. Um, So a lot of opportunity, especially in the post-COVID world. 2016, my notes say, was the last time they were here. So it's a big deal.
1: Yeah. And but it it's emblematic too of how far in advance you know y'all are selling you know these and 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 working these opportunities because they're not coming until 2027. Here we are in 2023, right? And I know that y- your calendar works a lot different than my calendar. <laughs> I'm worried about hour to hour. Um, you you're worried about decades. <laughs> yeah.
2: I'm worried about 2032. Um, it, yeah. it just sounds crazy in, in, the, in the scheme of things like you said, but when you think about things like IPW, or if you just recall last December when we had the hematologist here, 40,000 of them, and in those instances where you need to put together a package of an, a million square foot building, the whole building, you need 40, 50 hotels, that meeting goes out to Metairie, um, out to the suburbs, you have to work that far in advance and in a city like New Orleans that doesn't have business travel in the levels like Atlanta or Dallas or other cities, the base of convention business is critical for the community. So our team here at New Orleans and Company works with all the hotel community, and it's not just these citywides, about half of what we book are in hotel. One hotel meeting. Maybe you go for, you know, a sheriff's meeting or a broadcaster's meeting. It's twenty rooms, it's hundred. And so we put together a calendar of thousands of meetings in a year beso- between what we book here at New Orleans and Company into the hotels and what they book on their own. So it's a, it's a full-scale, highly competitive operation.
1: I always like to make the baseball analogy. It's not often you hit the home runs, right? Those are few and far betweens. It's the singles, the doubles, and the triples.
2: It's exactly what it is. It's the bunts, too. I mean, you know, the bunts matter. Yeah, the, bunts, the little yeah. wins add up. You know, if you think about a lot of our hotel community, they were built in the 80s, uh, the 90s, when, and they were built in an environment where you didn't require a ton of meeting space in our city because of the lack of business travel requires it. So it's not unusual for some of our hotels to have 40 meetings in one month. That's a bunch of base hits. And you put it together with a city and some of the glamorous things like IPW or a Final Four or the upcoming Super Bowl, and you build something that's successful because it's got to get to the city first it has to be in a hotel before it can go to a restaurant a venue transportation our culture of bears it's got to get here first and that's the work I think that our community on the meeting side is very proud of we're we're quiet you don't see a lot people don't really understand in the community the work we do but that doesn't diminish our pride for the work we do and our real compassion for our community to make sure we have great years and to compete. You know, we're competing against everybody these days.
1: Yeah, and everybody's dressing themselves up. uh, In other words, making the investment to look better,
2: right? Dallas is building a new building. I'm not even trying to think about it too hard. And Austin's building a new building. You know, Vegas can do self-contained. They can do, you know, 2,000 room. Lots of new convention centers happening around the country. Nashville cranes in the sky all the time. And so where New Orleans used to benefit from rotation, you know, every two, three years into New Orleans, we're competing with first-tier cities, second-tier cities. You know, we're a top 25 market. We're considered a first-tier destination, even though our population is much smaller. We compete on a grand scale. But the competition and what we're going against is something I've never really seen in my career there is a great need to book meetings and conventions across the country.
1: You know, I broadcast live the other day from the Natchez, one of the only steamship, boat, steam-powered boats, uh, paddle wheelers on, on the river. Uh, there, were, You could tell there are a lot of people from out of town that were there. Uh, sometimes we here don't really understand the little nuances of so many things that, that we offer had a lot of Giants fans. Um, they were obviously sad from the day before, but I think they were happy on the boat, <laughs> nonetheless. But uh, you know, it's just an example of of just these little one off, unique things about us that that really make us uh, different.
2: There are so many, and I had a call earlier this week with um, our customer who heads up American Geophysical Union. They started meeting here with us um, a couple of years ago, and. We were talking about their future meetings, and we're going to be actually together at a meeting of of business event strategists and professional planners in January. And what she was saying about New Orleans and I think why we're so uniquely built to host is she said that the people here just create something that doesn't happen anywhere else. She said the spirit – of our people make meetings brighter here. These are her words. I just picked up my notes. And the sense of camaraderie separates New Orleans from other places. And that, you know, that bubbles over into places like the Natchez or unique restaurants or experiences, places you can't replicate anyone else. I was speaking to someone earlier today, and she uh, isn't from here. She's originally From Europe, and she said, You know, I've worked over in America for a long time now, and really, New Orleans is one of the most European places. It's so unique. And we're so blessed to be able to represent such a place um, that's so well known globally. And sometimes, competitively, you know, people think, Oh, New Orleans is so wonderful, and it is all those things. But sometimes when you compete, your competition will use that against you and say, but, you know, you've been to New Orleans and all you don't need to go back. And so the ability to continue to reinvent, right, and bring new things to market to build, um, you know, a a renovated experience or a new hotel or a new venue makes makes it important for us to, to give people a reason to come back. Right. We're working hard every day to separate ourselves in a new way in a way that compels them to want to experience New Orleans again and again.
1: And the American Geophysical uh, Group, um, they will be here February 18th through the 23rd for their Ocean Sciences meeting, right?
2: Right. That's a smaller meeting they have, and then they big, bring their big meeting hat here. And, you know, a great point about the geophysical folks is obviously they do a lot of space. And so, when you think about New Orleans and you think about the great things to do, it always remo- revolves around the importance of our food, our music, our culture, and our environments become very competitive in areas of innovation and sustainability and social responsibility. And so, when New Orleans says things like, "Hey, we have this amazing Michou facility where this this amazing rocket's being built, and it's going to take the first woman of color to space," people look at you kind of like in New Orleans and you say yeah new orleans and you can go fishing you know off the and and see it from across the water so it, it it we are we don't talk a lot about our innovation outside we talk a lot about entertainment and these are the wonderful things we do but what a great um competitive piece we have to be able to talk about the innovation and our geophysicists they bring in folks from all over the gulf coast who maybe wouldn't travel out west to san francisco so having these incredible things taking place really do help us. You know, when you make your destination a great place to live and work, then it becomes a great place to visit. And so those things are really important to us. Yeah, I was
1: looking at the calendar. I mean, it's always a a challenge, I guess, with the two and a half weeks of Mardi Gras, right? Um, But uh, you don't, I don't think you have a single day open in March. (laughs) I mean, there are people from the beginning to the end here, which is a great thing.
2: And that's, yeah, and that's a combination of all kinds. I mean, from from competitive volleyball to the National School Board, you know, we've got Chemical Society coming, tons of small meetings. What you have has some smaller meetings, too. We thought it was really important to host some of those smaller meetings that take place in different places, the trucking folks. And it's really great to, you know, for us, And and to be able to talk about what these groups are doing here, and many of these groups will wind up either doing some kind of give-back event or actually give back or make donations to the community in different ways. And so not only are these customers contributing to our economy and helping our economy grow and and helping our cultural bears and restaurants and attractions, but they're also helping give back in ways, whether it be schools or whether it be neighborhoods or playgrounds, you know, travel these days is very much attached to people wanting to feel like they've given back to a place they've visited, and they can take it a little bit of that place with us. And so that's a really a great benefit of visitation.
1: Absolutely, got to get to a break. We're visiting with Stephanie Turner, Senior Vice President of Convention Sales and Strategies for New Orleans and Company. We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. Welcome back, folks. We're visiting. With uh, Stephanie Turner, Senior Vice President of Convention Sales and Strategies for New Orleans and Company. I was just looking at this text uh, that came in. My daughter's a high-level manager in a local hotel, and I can tell you she has told me the hotel and convention business in the city is setting records beyond belief. This lady that you have on the show right now, that would be you, Stephanie, is very on point to which she speaks. It's always nice to hear. Thank Stephanie, you. I- a, a number of other texts are coming in. Obviously, folks want to go to the issue of crime and whether or not that's having an impact and whether or not, you know, um, that is something that y'all have to deal with.
2: Well, Noel, and thank you for those comments. We really appreciate them. Crime is something that we're all dealing with across the country. We travel a lot for our jobs. We travel a lot to sell and compete and you know we speak to you know different destinations we all certainly have dealt with it you know we're very fortunate that crime is down 21 percent here in new orleans and we have a very good relationship with the police department and you know for us making sure new orleans is a great place to live a safe place to live work and then you know that then trickles down to our visitors so it's you know it's part of what we've always dealt with as a destination um, and it's just part of the landscape we all deal with. And we try to stay focused on the experience we provide, how many people we bring through the city, and getting them here safely, but you know, primarily taking care of our residents, of course, first.
1: Uh, I saw something the other day that uh, Dick Clark, uh, New Year's Eve, rocking, um Eve is not gonna be here this year. And, and some folks are saying that it was because of concerns of crime. That didn't make much sense to me. I I thought it was because of financial reasons. Do you have any information on that?
2: That is the information I understand. As you know, I live in the convention and meetings world. But Mm -hmm. from what I understand um, from Walt and others, it absolutely was a financial decision to not be here.
1: Because, I mean, they— they actually are in cities that have worse crime rates than we have,
2: right? Well, and, and, and you, it's, it's like the meetings business. It's incredibly competitive. Uh, you yeah. know, when people are in a city, they've been here for a while. We've had a great run. And, you know, maybe they want to try somewhere else or maybe somebody else had a great financial package. We don't know the details of that. But just like we compete for meetings and conventions, folks compete for events All the time you know whether it be a concert you're competing for big sporting event a kickoff series New Year's Eve and television uh, viewerships also another one you we competed as you remember for Miss Universe and that was you know that was very very competitive so it's all part of the world we live in and I think because New Orleans is thought of so iconically between Mardi Gras our great festivals we tend to kind of think people just come and it, it is nothing but competition, competition, competition. And because, again, we don't have this business travel, the dependence that our community has on meetings and conventions is really more important sometimes than other places because it replaces a segment that doesn't exist very much. And, and the other reason why our segment is so important to the whole mix is because unlike you and I, if we go to, you know, the beach for the weekend, we bring our family, we go out to eat a couple of times or we go to New York for the weekend. You know, when you're here for a meeting, you're eating at a banquet, you're eating with colleagues, you're having a keynote speaker, you're getting bused around to your hotel to the convention center. You have, you know, florals, visuals, on and on. So the spend in that convention space is very beneficial to the greater community.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Well, it looks like y'all are off to a great start in 2024. I think y'all have already uh, projected it will be bigger than 2023, which is a great thing. Thank you so much for what you and the organization does for our city. We really appreciate it, and happy holidays to you, Stephanie.
2: To you, too, Newell. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to you. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you so much. Stephanie Turner, Senior Vice President of Convention Sales and Strategies for New Orleans and Company. Scoot's up next. We'll check in with him when we come back. Stay with us. Scoot's up next. What do we have coming up, Scoot? Well, you know, this has been kind of a mild Christmas
0: in terms of controversies, but we're going to review some of the big controversies from the past that are just, I don't know, fun to talk about. And when you look back at all the attention that was paid to some of these controversies, you go, why did we even worry about that? So we'll talk about that and a lot more.
1: Don't sweat the small stuff. That's right? right. Scoots up next. Stay tuned. It's got a great lineup coming your way. Hope you enjoyed today's show. We'll see you again in the morning.